Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Good morning, Redmond. Good morning, Patrick. I'm having a little bit of a laugh because I was getting stuck into the cats just a second ago. So you've hit the record button pretty quick to shut down the conversation. No, I've been, I've been getting into the boys as well. <laughs> you can say that now because you're not playing. Well, i tell you what it is. It's so much easier from the stands, but... <laughs> I said to the skipper after easier, the, easier from the couch. It is everyone's an expert from the couch. <laughs> yeah. I said to the skipper after the game, that's two games decided by six points in total. Like let's maybe can can it be forty points this week? Just so we just it, sit back in the couch and just I, enjoy the view a bit more. I said last week, I was sitting there and I said Easter Monday game, one of my favourite games of the year, Sammy Goodwin's birthday quite often that day, and uh, we're sitting down there watching the game, and I, I think we were four or four goals up and going into the last quarter, four or five, and they've only, Hawthorne have only kicked five goals for the game. And I, I like how you say we now. I'm a team of yours. <laughs> You've sucked me in. You have actually sucked me I used to love the game. Now I'm a Cats man. But he, um, <laughs> we're sitting there watching the game, and I'm like, they've only kicked five goals for the game. Surely Cats will kick two, so they sort of need to kick six or seven in the last quarter to win. And we get down to it and literally, I'm still not sure if Reece Stanley touched that football. I still don't think he did. <laughs> and I don't, he might have even told you different, but I think we got very lucky there as Cat supporters. And uh, you're a supporter too, because you're not allowed on the track for another week. But it's, it's not far away. You're joining the boys again. You'd be excited, wouldn't you? No, a week away. A week away. Which I'm looking forward to. All right, righto. Let's get into the fishing talk, Patrick. And the fishing is getting tougher I know how well, it's getting I, tough but the weather's been perfect so it's it been, a, been it's been a challenge because the fishing has been a bit tough unless you've been Chris Casser and Casser fishing charters with the tuna that he saw during the week well that's but it's been so good to get out there because this time of the year it is it's getting a little bit colder but you don't have those easterlies that we get throughout the summer no. period. Like, it's been beautiful. The weather has been amazing. And it, like, as good as you can get it. I think a couple of days ago, it was bloody near on 30 degrees. I got I actually got Finn out in the boat in the afternoon, which was pretty cool. For the first time, wearing this one-year-old life jacket now, Patrick. So that was uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool. But like you said, Chris Chris is finding the tuna extremely hard to, to get to bite. Uh, oh, I won't lie to you, and I've been saying how long are they going to hang around for. Which which I find incredible, because he's posting photos of these tuna jumping. Yep. Like, incredible photos of them jumping clear out of the water and literally a football-sized field of, of tuna of- swimming. And it's not and it's not in one area. It, this is spread out. This is along the whole coast. But in saying that, this, this patches are so much smaller. I'm talking like 
they're not you're getting the big patch now Chris had a massive patch down the east there the other day and uh, he had this massive patch of fish and I'm finding that when we're seeing those fish launching out of the water you're talking Chris Vasileski uh, Chris Cassar still Chris Cassar yeah Chris Cassar we're chatting to Chris Vasileski later on in Dream uh, Boating Destinations which is going to be fascinating to hear about um, sort of where Chris is at where the sort of big Mindset barrel tuna, tuna are at and where he's going to take his business over the next couple of uh, months. Well, these tuna are literally... Now, I don't know... When you see tuna feeding, Pat, they're quite often quite fast. and they, they do come out of the water with their shoulders and they come out. These fish look like they're just... I don't know if they're mating or dancing. I don't know what they're doing, but they're borderline impossible to catch. They are coming out of the water... Five foot, like I'm not exaggerating, five, six foot out of the water, like as tall as myself, out of the water and just landing on their backs like a dolphin. Like it's it's been bizarre. But like I said, they are there still and off bow and heads and the likes, there is minimal fish. So there is nowhere near, so there's still a lot of fish, but there's not that, there's not a prolific amount of them like there was only a few weeks ago. So where they go right from now onwards is going to be very, very interesting. Well, well, are they working their way down the coast? Because you'll, in the next couple of weeks, you'll be keeping an eye on where the, the barrels are at. Are they just working let, their way let's, down Let's save to... this conversation for Chris from Gone Fishing because he's coming up after the break or in a couple of breaks' time. Chris um, from Gone Fishing will join us and he's going to explain with myself, we're going to have a conversation that we had on the boat a few days ago uh, about... What tuna do we catch? Now, what I mean by that is these fish are those 25, 20 to sorry, 40 kilo, odd, bigger, odd, smaller. Chris is going to head to Portland. At the moment, the Portland bites going to, is a bit harder. No, I'm saving the chat for later, Patrick. I'm going to save the chat for later. The whiting fishing, fantastic. We had massive tides, but we've got this full, uh, sorry, the new moon we're about to approach. I think it's on Sunday or Monday. So we're about to hit, the, hit that, and that's going to make it, it's a little bit tougher at the moment. Give it a couple of days, Pat. It'll be red hot again. But one thing that I've been impressed with, and I said last week, and I was more impressed this week, was the squid fishing, the autumn squid fishing. If you're on school holidays well, right now... Two weeks now, ago, you said the squid fishing's been really tough. It has been. Really it has difficult. been. And at these big tides that have come, I don't know if they've pushed them in or they've fired them up, but these calamari, if you're on school holidays with the kids and you want to get down to your local jetty or if you want to get down to, uh, down to Port Phillip Bay or, or whatnot, wherever you are listening, the squid are super fun to take your kids to catch. They are more often easy to catch than not. You can often get three, four of them quite quick, so you're not going to be out there for a long period of time with your kids. So squid fishing is number one at the moment in Port Phillip Bay if you want to have some fun with your kids on school holidays. So for those that haven't squid fished before or fished before, the, the easiest way to catch a feed, do you, it's obviously it's not about the rod, it's more about the squid jig. How far are you casting out to give yourself the best chance to get yourself or your, your kids into fishing and a bit of a taste of what it's all about? If you're on a boat, uh, sorry, if you're on, we'll, go, we'll start with a pier. If you're on a pier land-based, you want to get your jig out as far as you can. And the reason for that is you, wanna, you don't want to cast three metres and work your jig backwards and then all of a sudden it's done. You want to cast out and work through the weed beds the whole way through. And you'll quite often find that at some point in that cast where you do get one, they'll be in that same spot. You'll either have them follow your, that squid up where you can get your squid off and get another one quite quickly, or you'll hit that same spot, say, three or four times. You'll ping three or four squid off it. In a boat, you're a bit different because you're there. It's about getting your jig to sink correctly. And what I mean by that is everyone goes, oh, what colour did you get them on? What colour, mate? What colour? It's not necessarily about your colour. Oh, that's my most hated question in fishing. What colour yeah, squid jig yep. do you use? It's For me, it's all about getting that jig to sink at a nice rate. So for instance, if you're in strong tide and you're drifting quite quick and you're not getting to the bottom, you might go to three and a half. If you're in two meters of water, 
with no tide, you're going to go to a size 2.0. You want it so it's sinking nicely through the water column, not hitting the ground super fast where you're going to get weed, because as soon as you get weed on your jig, you want to get that off as quick as you possibly can. And then with your, with your faster moving water, it's about picking your tide times. So don't just go off Queenscliff in the middle of the outgoing tide. You're not going to catch a squid because you're going to be drifting at five, six kilometers an hour, which is very, very fast. You want to pick your tides and your times. So whiting, we want the water going as hard as we can get it. The squid, we want to get it as close as we can to the end of the tide. And that's when you're going to give your best, best scenario on your squid fishing. And just a little example on that, on I think it was uh, I think it was on Tuesday I headed out during the week and we aimed to fish the end of that outgoing tide. We got our thirty squid on the end, end of the outgoing tide. Just we did three or four big nice drifts along just some nice weed out of St Leonard's, and then I got we got the squid quite quickly. So we anchored up on slack water. I cut up probably one hundred and fifty squid strips. Opened up probably I don't know forty or fifty pippies, and got ready for the tide to start for the whiting. I had my squid jig sitting on the back of the boat in the rod holder, not to catch a squid. I had it sitting in the water purely to see once that squid jig started to move towards the tidal direction, that's when I started to fish for whiting. And then we fished the start of the incoming tide for the whiting. The swell was up, the dirty water came in, and we got our 60 King George whiting in only a couple of hours. So that there is an example of what you can do in three or four hours fishing uh, uh, on, in the next couple of weeks while the school holidays are on and have a really good time with your kids and family. Is, is it safe to say that you're better off spending, if you're just getting into it, 15 bucks on a squid jig than $3 because you can pick up the um, the little idiosyncrasies of how a, a really cheap squid jig is drifting and you can yep. slightly manipulate it with your with your rod and, and how much tension you've got on your rod. Whereas if you're just getting into it, you're really reliant upon trusting the squid jig that it's sitting right in the water column. So you know what? I'm going to spend a little bit more but back that the technology behind the lure is going to help me catch more fish. If I was, to, I'm always here trying to save everyone a dollar uh, with my salt guide staff. I'm always recommending the cheaper stuff. You don't need this. You don't need that. I'm trying to save every single person I possibly can a dollar. If there's one thing I would buy that has value on it for money, it is a squid jig because the value you get out of getting a squid jig that actually does what it's meant to, and you can go to Kmart. I think you can get a pack of five for like five bucks. They just don't really work. Don't get me wrong. You you might pick up one or two squid on it, but you might go pick up a, a few squid on it because you know where to fish. Yeah. You can see the eggs. But for those of us that need every little bit going, it's one thing you know, I spend money the right on. way for us. Yep, you know, spend I, that little bit more. I would hundred percent um, spend more money on a squid jig than you know. I'd rather use a ten dollar rod and a better squid jig than a five hundred dollar rod. And a cheap squid jig, if that makes sense. It does. Uh, we're planning a trip at the end of the year, you and I, Redmond. We're yep. taking both our families over to Tassie for a few weeks, which we're looking forward to. Fishing, now we're hopefully. S- <laughs> yeah, family time. <laughs> family time. Family That's what we tell them. <laughs> um, we've got our timing slightly wrong, I've decided. We have. From April, May and June, it is bring your car free on the spirit of Tassie. And it just so happens to line up with a pretty epic time on the fishing calendar in Tasmania. It is going off its head. The easiest way to explain it, Tasmania right now is the place to be. The fishing out of Tasmania would have to be the one of the country's best game fishery there is. And, and it's I not just country, game fishing. because It's everything. Inside at the moment, the, the, the trout fishery, Oh, yeah. because we haven't had an extremely hot summer, it's been quite... Um, Mild. 
mild. It, it means the trout fishery is spectacular. It's been that way in the Otways, and it's certainly been that way in Tasmania. Well, the barrel bluefin tuna out of Eagle Hawk Neck right now uh, is going as good as it ever has. I had a few friends, Josh and Hamsley down there. If you follow me on Instagram and Facebook, you catch some magnificent fish down there. Big swordfish during the week managed to get two young kids, two barrel bluefin tuna around the 100 kilo mark. Also, as bycatch as such, you can obviously go target them with smaller lures, but the albacore fishing, albacore is meant to be... Terrible bycatch, that. Terrible. Chicken of the sea. It's meant to be chicken <laughs> of the sea, they say, even though I'd much eat chicken for $3 a kilo. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's a beautiful eating fish. There's also juvenile bluefin, so you've got the small 15 kilo ones, uh, which is also great to eat. But you've all got the other side where St. Helens and whatnot, swordfish, like monster swordfish. Monster. I'm talking two, three, four hundred. Who knows how big these things get? Well, we don't know. We don't know. Of, because of where they where they live, how much research or how little research has gone into them. There's still very little that's known about them. Exactly. And they are the ultimate fish to catch, I would say. They would have to be. And they are fishing really... And they're only going to get better in the next few months too. Yeah. Now, those barrel bluefin that of Tasmania, we're probably going to start to see... Uh, fish being caught. Now, I had a memory that came up on Facebook during the week. I landed two bluefin last week, the week just gone at Portland. So I think I said on the on the show the week before, and if you do want to listen to any of our shows, make sure you download the Real Adventures app on any smartphone and you'll get everything you need to know with recipes and whatnot, Patrick. But the bluefin will be at Portland, the barrel bluefin. Yep. Now, the school... Tuna will be there as well. You've got to push, you've got to work past those if you want to get a blue, big bluefin. I, I stick to the big bluefin mojo. I'm in that mode. That's what I want to catch, and you'll catch it. Don't get distracted. But they will be at Portland. Take my word for it. It's only a matter of days before someone actually gets out there and the catches prob- a few. The problem with that, though, is, and you're not going to go down there. You said, I'm going to wait until there's reports, and then it'll be consistent. I might take my word back on that because there's a chance I'm there next week. Every <laughs> single person is waiting for the same thing. Yeah. So when it does happen, it means it's absolutely packed. Is there any way around that or not particularly? Yeah, just fishing. Yeah, you're spot on. That's what I said the other day. It's all right going to find the fish and being that person. And to be honest with you, it's probably the best thing to do because you get it to yourself. Yeah. Where if, for instance, say I go down there tomorrow and I land two big bluefin tuna and put on social media for my work and whatnot, I guarantee you that week there'll be even got the weather. It'll be it's going to be chaos down there, especially yeah. on the first run of them because everyone's like once they're fixed and not many people got their tuna barrel fish barrel tuna uh, fishing. Uh, fixed last year because of COVID. So people exactly. want to go down there and they want to get these fish. And they are a prize fish to catch. They are extremely fun to catch. They're big and they pull. So if you want to make the report, get down there now. And I'm telling you, you're not wasting your time. Find the seals, find the dolphins, find the bait, and which can be very easy to find, especially when you've got 2,000 gannets above diving into the water. <laughs> so make sure you get down there and be the first to make the report. We've got a massive show of Real Adventures coming your way this morning. We're chatting with Chris Vasileski during All Aboard uh, a little later in the show, and we're going to discuss all things Portland and Southern Bluefin Tuna, the big barrels that are going to make their way, well, hopefully, into boats uh, any day now, which is exciting to see. Coming up next, we have The Social Club. This is Real Adventures. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club where we take your questions from social media. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our Real Adventures social pages, Facebook and Instagram. Or better yet, download our Real Adventures app. It's free to download. 
from wherever you download your apps. Uh, first question, Redmond, is from Steve. Boys, how long a chain length should I have for my anchor? Cheers. It's a good question because there's nothing worse. I think I think the most important thing on a boat is one of the most important thing on a boat because a pie warm is probably the most. But the <laughs> but is you don't want to slip when you're fishing. You don't want to slip on anchor pat. Yep. You do not want to slip now. People think it's your anchor that actually holds you into the ground, which it, it plays a big role in it, obviously. But the other half is actually your chain. And having the right chain for your boat as well as your anchor is crucial. Well, now, most people say that you should have the same length of chain that's the length so, of your boat. Yeah. So if you've got a six-metre boat, you should have at least six metres of chain. Yeah, so I run eight metres of chain yep. just purely to have that little bit extra. I'm running eight millimetres, so it's it's quite heavy chain. And like I said before, what happens is when you lay your anchor out on the bottom... Don't be that idiot that comes down next to you and hammers it in reverse for some reason. I don't understand why people, when they lay their anchor down, they drop it down and they try and put it in reverse to rip it through. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You don't need to do that. Just you got enough tide or whatnot. Maybe up in Port Phillip Bay when there's no tide, but you don't need to go hard. You just need to lay it out nicely. Yeah. Now, when you lay it down, it's the chain that actually drags the anchor in. So it's the weight of the chain that pulls the anchor itself into the ground. Now, if you were just to run straight rope, what would happen is your rope floats. So your rope runs will just sit up off the bottom and it'll just keep pulling your anchor out. So you've got, you're not going to hold anchor. So the chain is crucial. Like I said, I'm running a six metre north bank. I've got eight millimetre chain on about eight metres. So I'm running a bit more than I need to, just purely to have that in mindset. But I would definitely be running an anchor that you aren't, you, you're not going to slip. I run a mud magnet. It's crucial to run that, size three. It's a big, big mud, mud magnet from Lone Star. The winch itself is from Lone Star. It's a GX2. And I think a, uh, I think a, a anchor winch pat will catch you thousands of more fish a year. And what I mean by that is it stops you from being lazy. I can guarantee you right now, if I go out with mates that haven't got an anchor winch, they um they go out there and they won't move those extra five times to find the fish like I do. No, or they'll do what I do. Ask and your dad to do it. No, we'll just drift. Uh, the next question is from Tim. Boys, have you seen the reports about Sea-Doo releasing an electric jet ski? And it was a misspelt word there. It said seafood. So I was thinking, I was just about to say seafood, but Sea-Doo. I know it's Sea-Doo because we did actually read it during the week, didn't we, Patrick? We did, and... Like Cedar are a Canadian-based company, so and they've invested um, millions and millions of dollars on new technology, and we've obviously seen them acquire Evinrude E-Tech, and we've seen them um, cease manufacturing of them at the start of or end of last year. Um, so there's been some big changes um, at BRP. Uh, what we definitely will see, and they've said this themselves, is that it's a it's a matter of when and not if. It comes to the electric uh, electric electrification. It's not an art <laughs> of electric. <laughs> I can't even say it of um, of their sea-doos and equipment because obviously they build far more uh, than just jet skis. Like they're they're heavily into um, quad bikes and these sorts of things um, as well. So we'll, we'll definitely see it happen. I think it'll be in sort of the next three to five years. I think the challenges at the moment are clearly the weight of which these lithium batteries weigh and how that sort of affects you, your uh, performance in sort of the marine space. Obviously, oh. fuel is a lot lighter than what lithium batteries are. 
And that technology is changing all the time because there's been more money invested into it. But we're certainly going to see this space change in but the marine industry. I think your issues are going to be, Pat, as well. Is like when I, for instance, I had a jet ski a few years years ago, and I used to go down to camping down the river, and we'd take jerry cans of fuel. Like how, and we don't have power. So how do you charge the jet ski when you're away camping down in Yachuca? Didn't you listen to Anthony Albanese a couple of weeks back? I'm glad you can pronounce that name. <laughs> I love this. This is fantastic. Like, we all have a little uh, misspeak every now and then. I certainly did before trying to <laughs> pronounce electrification. <laughs> um, and Albo's response when talking about uh, electric cars was, how great would it be? You know, you've got your solar panels on the roof and overnight your car charges up and the next day you drive it away. But Just d- forgot the one thing that the sun ain't out overnight. <laughs> So, Is that what he actually said? We all have these little mistakes. So, um, so yeah, look, I think the um, that that's obviously a, a consideration. Mm-hmm. I, I think we'll see. And how, long are they gonna, how long are they going to last for? Like, I'd go 80-litre tank in my old jet ski. I'd go through that in half a day, like being an idiot on the towing donuts and stuff. How long is a battery going to last for? Because think about it, electric motors on your boats these days, like um, your Garmin... Your Garmin ones, your motor guide, all that Garmin stuff. Garmin Force motor guide. They only yep. they only last a period of time, and the harder you work them, the quicker they drain. Then you've but, got to charge but that, again. But that's clearly the challenge of why we haven't seen it in in mass production at yep. the moment because it's just not feasible with with the marine industry and the requirements. So, look, that'll change. I think it's exciting to see, and we'll see where it goes. Uh, next question is from Bill Red. What would be your go to bait this time of the year for snapper? Yeah, we've had. I've actually had that come in on my Instagram pages quite a bit the last few weeks because there are some really good snapper being caught out of the uh, Mornington area down to Mount Martha in Port Phillip Bay. Now, one thing that you're going to find this time of the year, Pat, is that the the snapper, a lot of them when you catch them are going to be caught on squid. So what I would be doing is there's so many places you can get squid. There's St. Leonard's, there's Mount Martha on the other rocks there. Wherever you're coming from to that area, get fresh squid. I've always liked frozen squid, but the heads are really, really crucial this time of the year. How I do my spread is, once again, my six rods, we've talked about it all snapper season, just gone, and snapper season is coming, it's here right now as we speak. It's my favorite time of the year to get those big snapper, and I'd have my two pilchards out, I'd have my two silver whiting, and my two squid strips out, or squid rings or head, whatever it is, yep. but I would all then try and sneak an extra squid out. I definitely would be trying to sneak an extra squid out, because... They just love squid this time of the year. They love squid, and it's number one bait that you can use to catch snapper. Graham, I use a snap swivel to attach my line to lures. Is this okay, or should I learn a knot? Does it make any difference to catch rates? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually a bit of a good question and a lazy question at the same time. Uh, it depends what you... Well, it's not a lazy question. It's a lazy... Sorry. You could, you could argue it's lazy just to... To do it in itself. To, to tie the snap swivels and then just adding an extra chink of chain almost to something that fish can spot. Well, and I know for a fact, here, just an example, Paul and I, it was on iFish a few weeks ago, Paul Worsling myself filmed an episode on bluefin tuna out of the Port Phillip Bay heads and I went to the effort to tie my uh, popper on that I was using and Paul went to the effort of snapping his massive snap swivel onto his Rapala. Uh, onto, sorry, his, it was a Rapala Explode, actually, what he used. A big popper. Now, the reason I say this is because the 
I wouldn't snap swivels have a purpose. For instance, when I'm chasing the big blue fin or your marlin, you have a small snap swivel. Now, don't when you you can buy it, you need to buy good snap swivels to catch good fish. Don't go spend twenty dollars on a pack of these snap swivels of the size of your finger. You want the small. Where ones. there's a hundred in the pack. Yeah, a hundred in the pack, and they they probably will work, but. You want to get the ones that are probably the size, a bit bigger than your fingernail, probably two nails. You want to get those small ones, probably an inch long, inch and a half long. You want to get those snap swivels. They're quality. They're worth a lot of money, but they'll hold up to 100 kilos. So every fish you catch, it's going to work really well for. Now, the reason, I, what I'll, back to what I was saying was, it has their purpose. So to snap your line on for your marlin to your live bait rig or your skip bait rig or your lures, you snap your lures on when you've pre-rigged your lures, or your skirted lures chasing bluefin. But the reason that I brought the popper up is because... The popper creates so much uh, water disturbance. So when that popper crashes through the water, crashes, crashes on the top, that snap swivel that attached to it probably isn't going to make that much of an effect because there's just so much water getting moved out of the way. Bang, bang, just getting constantly pushed. But I'm not going to go put a snap swivel on the end of a squid jig because that's not going to work. Don't be lazy. In saying that, you can buy your little little eggy clips that they recommend. They're tiny, and you can tie it to your light leader, and you can just they're, – they're actually made for squid jigs. I personally don't use them. I don't like them. I feel like it affects the way they swim a little bit. It's also not hard to tie a knot. Now, for me, it's quick to tie a knot. for a But it is for plenty of people. I was just about to say, someone like my old man who wants to wear his glasses and he's trying well, can't tie his squid jig on – that's when it comes convenient, and let's be honest, it's probably only, it's not going to probably make that much of a difference. It might when it's probably times been a tough, which, which is frustrating anyway, because you probably I might get one or two more squid than the person that's using that clip, in my opinion. So it's probably worth using it if you struggle to tie knots, but don't go using those big stupid snap swivels and just snapping it onto some lure randomly because it's not going to it's not going to help you catch fish. And also, don't pre-make rigs at home. And then time to a snap swivel on your rod. A lot of people do that. I don't know why, but a lot of people do that. Defeats the purpose. I don't understand. And I go on guides during the week, and every second time I go out, I got for the whiting, for instance, they got this big, they got this nice line, nice light line, and they've got a snap swivel with a bead on it that's the size of, like I said, my finger. I'm like, what's that for? I find it easy to tie to. I'm like, well, that's going to cost you so many fish. So there's times and places for when you need to use snap tools, Pat. There you go, Graham. And that is the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social pages. Coming up after the break, we have all aboard Chris Vasileski and Aaron Hapgood going head-to-head on the barrel bluefin tuna that should be making their way to Portland any day now. All aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Now, one of our all-time favourites on Real Adventures is Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. If you're interested in a local charter, whether it be around Queenscliff, Chris is your man, but he's also, at some stage, he's gearing up, getting ready to go down and chase these big barrel bluefin tuna. And Aaron and Chris are going head-to-head this morning on when it's time to head down south. Yeah, Chris, so it's uh, good morning to you, Chris. I'll actually probably say good morning. How are you, Chris? Hey, good, good. You guys? Okay. How's it been? Not too bad, but I know one thing's for a fact is uh, you've actually seen enough of Port Phillip Bay and Queenscliff and outside the Port Phillip Bay heads. You've had enough, haven't you? 
I've had enough. Yeah, it's been a busy season. It's been good. We're not complaining after um, last year's or the COVID stint, but it was good to get back and get busy. And the fishing's been fantastic down here. But I think I've had enough. Time now. You, when you say you've had enough, it's obviously motivation's a massive key, uh, Patrick. In um in fishing, you need to be motivated, and it just gets it does get harder when you see the same thing every day. But in saying that, you're about to take the big boat. How big is Masso? Uh, I was going to say Masso is actually the little boat. Yeah. How big is the big boat, and how how long does it take to take this boat down to Portland, which you're going to be doing in the next couple of weeks? Um. So the big boat Poseidon is just under 11 metres, so we're going to get it serviced on Tuesday coming, and then we're going to look for a break in the weather and head down. It takes me about nine hours on a good day, sitting on about 20 knots. So, being down to Portland, get it ready, and hopefully um, lots of laughter and fun and heaps of fish coming in. It's obviously one of the great trips to do, obviously the better the weather, the more enjoyable it is, Chris, but it's a fascinating coastline to spend, you know, the vast majority of a day just adventuring through, if you will. Yeah, yeah, you always come across something different. Like, there's always something bobbing out there and floating. Like, but it is a wonderful coastline. And I can't remember what year it was. We pulled into um, Apollo Bay on the way home and had a had a feed of fish and chips and then sort of took off again. So it is, it's nice just to be able to sort of cruise down and, and sort of get ready. But I tell you what, as soon as you get around the um, the other side of um, the Cape and Apollo Bay, the, the weather and the water changes, definitely. Welcome to the Southern Ocean, Patrick. That's what comes <laughs> in. Uh, yeah. Chris, so now some would think you're, to be honest with you, you're an idiot. You're going to leave these bluefin tuna out of the Port Flight Bay heads to be coming back and forward driving your car onwards up to three and a half hours from Geelong to, to Portland. But we had this discussion during the week uh, these fish out of the Port Phillip Bay heads, we no one can work them out properly, can they? No, no. If anyone tells you they've got them worked out, I think they're um, full of it because they're so frustrating. And like you know, Aaron, we've spent many nights on the phone talking um, about them. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, I certainly can't work them out. Like you have a good day and you think, okay, you know, there's a pattern here and it's starting to emerge. And yet the next day, Next time you get like a windy day, you know, you'll go back out and you'll smack them. But, you know, you might get 10 or 12 fish or six fish or whatever it may be, and then they just shut down straight away again. So what's It's the, um, very, very frustrating. So what we discussed was basically these fish that we have here and the fish that are at Portland as we speak, take us through the reports that you've had, which has been similar to what we're having outside the outside of Port Phillip Bay. Yeah, well, I reckon that, the fish the guys are getting at Portland at the moment are the same fish we're obviously getting, which are those bigger school fish, you know, ranging from 15 to sort of 30 to even 40 kilos. I don't know, it's just a theory, but I think that these, they're the same fish and they'll soon disappear. And then the school of, um, the school that we're going up to chase will be a, a new school coming in from the west, obviously. And, um, hopefully they'll be fired up and chew a lot, lot better than, what these ones are. We find that these are <clears throat> these school of fish that comes down, they're not as big as the fish that we're catching now, are they? They're that smaller fish? Yeah, they're that sort of 10 to 12 sort of kilo fish. Yep. And with your yeah. patterns at Portland, we're now these teaser bars have been massive out of the Port Phillip Bay heads and your daisy changed. It's, it's changed probably, it's probably caught us the majority of our fish. Now, are you going to be running these in Portland or will you go back to the old ways as such? 
I reckon I'll go back to the old ways. Um, there's no need to like run your daisy chain, you know, and and your teaser and your spreader bars for these. Well, we've never had to do it previously, so I don't know. We'll see when we get there, but I, I don't think we will if we have to avoid it, you know, or if we can avoid it, we will because, you know, yourself um, catching a tuna on a spreader bar is not the most fun. So if we can avoid it, we will, but if we have to use them, we will. But I'm hoping we don't have to. Hopefully these fish fire up and we go back to uh, multiple hookups and, you know, Six ways and seven ways. I put a couple extra rod holders in this year, so I'm looking for a 13 way. So hopefully that will happen. <laughs> 13 You <way>. never know. <laughs> Chris, let's talk about the gear that you're using and what you would recommend for those heading down for the first time to chase these these fish. Overheads, are we talking, you know, 20,000 stellars? What's your recommendation for those getting into and attempting to catch a, a barrel bluefin for the first time? If you're going to target your barrel, you seriously can't go past this Tiagra, like, you know, whether it's a 30 or a 50, you know. Um, they're an overhead reel. They are awkward to use, but if you're going to be on a fish for, you know, an hour to three hours, you want to be able to put the harness in and lock yourself up, you know. But there's a few guys out chasing them with, like, yourselves. I run multiple, so I'll run, you know, a couple of 50s, a couple of 30s. I'll run a stellar 18,000, you know, and then I've got me smaller... Um, Saragossa 10,000s, which are a fantastic reel for those school fish. But I have hooked a barrel on a 10,000. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. It doesn't last long. <laughs> uh, so how do we get in contact with you, Chris? You're obviously heading down there in a couple of weeks. How can we make bookings? Do we give you a call? Do we book online? Yeah, so just jump on the website and you can go online. Bookings are filling fast. So I think May, the weekends in May are almost done. Um, so if you are taking a weekend, you've got to be quick. So, yeah. Chris, just before we let you go, one more thing. You spoke about obviously adding a few extra rod holders. Um, a, a key to, to, to tuna fishing, though, is, is matching the hatch and, and trying yep. to match that, that bait as best you possibly can. How long do you persist with a specific lure before it's time to change, or, or how many will you roll at the same time in order to give yourself the best chance of getting a hookup, and then once you do, do you then change all the lures? How do you, how do you like to work it? So every day is different, obviously, but generally we'll run, like, at any time, doesn't matter, we'll run like up to nine, ten rods. So we'll put a mixture out of different sort of lures, you know, different extras and like Helcos and whatever, and then as soon as we drive over fish, like, say, for instance, the Helcos go, none of the skirts go, then I'll say, oh, rightio, you know, we've just got a three-way, all Helcos, no skirts. Then we'll put a couple extra Helcos out, you know. We might do that two or three times and see what's going. Sometimes they'll just hit the, the skirts, you know, and it might be a certain colour, like it might be an evil angel one day, it might be uh, the Lumo the next day. So then, you know, if that same skirt's going off continuously, then you can just put a couple of extra skirts out, you know. Sometimes, you know, you've got to match them up like they might be on bigger baits. So then you're running, you know, you might run six-inch Uzi skirts and then if they're not going, you know, I always run a six-inch and a ten-inch in the same spread, you know. So then I, I'm not, I haven't got all the same size skirts here, if that makes sense. I try and mix it up a lot. Do you find, uh, Chris, though, that, the fish actually have more chance of escaping a trawler net than they do your spread of 13 lures? 
<laughs> I don't know, mate. It depends how how far you uh, how far you drag that first one. All right, Chris, thanks for joining us on Real Adventures this morning. If you want to get in contact with Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters, you can hit him up on Facebook, Instagram, or better yet, give him a call on 0409 007 068. Chris Vasileski from Gone Fishing Charters. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Red's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. Now it's time for Red's Review for Club Marine, and this has got you excited, Aaron. I actually did a guide during the week, and uh, he brought out leftover pizza, Pat. And uh, we all love leftover pizza. I think it's one of the... It tastes better the next day, doesn't it? Anyway, we isn't all... It, isn't leftover pizza supposed to have, like, more germs than any other food that you decide to heat and up? And that's why I'm super tough with a good immune system, because I like <laughs> leftover pizza. In saying that, I take immunodepressants, which is... <laughs> To less, <laughs> to, the opposite. To, to, to the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's for another story. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so I went out on a guide and he brought out leftover pizzas and he, oh, heat up. I'm like, oh, you got a pie warmer on the boat. And you all know how much we love the pie warmers. And uh, if there's something that we love on Real Adventures, it's, it's a pie, pie warmers. It's, it's their, I've actually stopped buying pies and told Kari not to buy them because I'm actually, like, I'd rather grab a salad roll or something on the way because. You can only this. I never thought I'd say this. You can only eat so many meat pies. Like you can only like. And I was going. And it was the novelty of it. it was my first one in the boat. It was just something warm in the boat as well oh, when yeah. it's cold. And it's everyone, like this is pretty special. Well, it's also show off time. If someone comes in the boat, like, oh, what are you on for lunch? I got pies, mate. <laughs> pies. Got my pie warmer. <laughs> what? You got an oven in the boat? Well, anyway, so that was that story. But I went out to the guy and I said, oh, you've got a pie warmer. And he goes, no, I don't. I got this little thing. I said, what? He said, I don't know what it's called. And he goes, but I bought it from uh, Anaconda. I said, oh, right. It's a Spinif- it's, it's a Spinifex, 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 Spinifex 12-volt food warmer. And what it is, is looks like a toolbox. Literally, look, I thought it was a toolbox when it was sitting on the floor of his boat. It is quite small. It's probably uh, maybe two foot wide. Um, yeah, maybe two foot, not quite two foot. And it It's lit- not two. It'll be just bigger than a laptop almost. Your laptop. Foot and a half. All right, foot and a half. We'll go foot and a half. <laughs> but it is, seriously, it is convenient. It has a, a cord that attaches into your 12-volt, and nearly every boat has a 12-volt battery port. So you can plug it in. It heats up to 120 degrees. And I, no, I'm not joking. I reckon the other day it heated the pizzas up quicker than what my actual pie warmer does. One does, yeah. Because mine has to be plugged into the boat. Well, sorry, mine is obviously wired into the boat. And when I'm running, it heats up quite quick. When I'm stationary, it doesn't work that well. Yeah. But it works, but not as well. Yep. But I, I think because we were running through the 12-volt, it just I don't know if that made the difference. But it heated these pie, uh, these pizzas up extremely quick. Quickly. It, yep. is so, um, it is so convenient to have on the boat. And for $70, you could take it anywhere. In your, you could literally be in your car, Patrick, and you could have pies cooking next to you on the seat. And you're just on the way on the road trip to eat. And you don't even need to stop. Just so that there is Red's review. It's the uh, it's your Spinifex twelve volt food warmer, not pie warmer, food warmer because it does everything. And it's sixty nine dollars ninety nine from Anaconda. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood.
Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip. Yeah, and the tip this week is coming back uh, towards casting, Patrick. And what I mean by that is there's so many people that go out there running all sorts of different lures but not using lures. Or When I say lures, we're talking anything that you cast yep. uh, correctly. And it comes back to even when you and I were fishing in cans a few years ago. Oh, Nearly a couple of years. It is, yeah, well, it is a few years ago now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like about to correct myself, and I'm actually right. It, uh, yeah, and it's like the barramundi. Like we're chasing these barramundi, and um, we're using different different methods. And the plastics, it was like, don't work the plastic fast. It's actually getting it into the weed and popping it out the weed quite slow. So we actually had to work the plastics quite slow, and that's when the barramundi were hitting them. And then the a plastic, you have the benefit of using it in a couple of different ways, uh, but you've got to match it to the species and what the lure is. Now, that plastic that we're using, we could have actually used that quite quickly because it had a natural movement with its tail. Yep. So, for instance, that same lure, that we plastic that we used up on the barramundi, the technique was slow from advice from a, a guide. That's the reason you go with people like that is because they know. Yep. Now, if we were to go, for instance, chasing, uh, 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 we'll go with salmon. You're not going to wind that plastic in like that to chase salmon. It's not going to work. The jig head will sink down past the school and the slow retrieve won't work. So salmon are on the surface and they want to chase and eat. So we're matching that active fish. So we want to actually move that 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 plastic quite quick to create the excitement for the salmon to eat. The same as a kingfish. Now, you've also got things like poppers. Poppers, people, I see them using them and they're cranking them out of the water 100 miles an hour and they're flipping, they're not doing their thing. A popper works best when you actually give it that pause. So when you cast a popper out, you give it a splash and you let it pause. You give it that splash and then you let it pause. It's actually about giving that second, the pausing, to. that's when the fish is going to come up and crunch that popper. Because you want to create that cupping where you're really, yeah, 100%. really disturbing the So water. it's grabbing the air and it yep. really pops out at the surface. But then you've got the bungee cast. And I see people casting them out and they're just winding them in super slow. And all that would be doing is its, it's butt would be sinking down and its nose would be coming up. So it's no, it's not going to work. So you need to use that quite quickly as well. So people need to be smart. And the simplest way to do it, to get an idea, is read what the packaging says. There's so many different packaging that says this will be used at this speed or whatnot. Or talk to the tackle store or someone that fishes that area and match the bait and whatnot to what you're going to be using and use it correctly. Like a kingfish bat, we're not going to use a knife jig slowly for a kingfish, are we? Yep. I'd rather, I don't use those micro jigs that are slow pitched. I like to use a fast pitched for kingfish to get them fired up. And that comes down to my Port Welsh bull trip a few months ago. I think it was the end of January, start of Feb, whatever it was. And that was about. We had slow-pitched micro-jigs, and they just weren't working. But as soon as we popped a fast one on, that's a normal knife jig, and we worked it hard, a vertical jig, we got smashed every single time. So it's about using the right technique for that species of fish. And the beautiful thing is you can, you can Google all these things, and you can look them up, depending on the lure that you purchase, how best to actually 100%. retrieve it. Yep. That is Red's tip. It's time for the flying gaff. And the flying gaff this week is is very, very easy. We're heading over to Western Australia where an Albany fisherman has been fined almost 20 grand for catching two massive great white sharks and posting them online and posing with them. Um, for me, the, the gaff should almost go to fisheries for not charging him more, um, you know, confiscating his boat and never allowing to fish again. It's no secret that great whites are an endangered species and have been on the endangered species register since 96. So everyone knows you can't fish for them. So I almost feel like gaffing, gaffing fisheries and say, ban him, never let him fish ever again, Redmond. I couldn't agree more. And People go, oh, he thought it was a mako shark as a joke. No, he didn't. 
Everyone no, comments on yeah, saying people yeah, say yeah. as a joke. They thought it's not a mako. It's no. clearly a great white. You cannot catch them. You cannot kill them. There's a reason for it, and uh, you're an idiot to that bloke. Thanks for your company this morning and joining us on Real Adventures. We hope to see you again or listen to us again next week. Enjoy the water. We're going fishing. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.